Again, I would like to welcome everybody. I believe this is a 120 years anniversary of our church. If my mind serves me all right, you know, somebody might correct me on that. But our church goes back further than that. It goes all the way back to the day of Pentecost. In welcoming everyone here tonight, I would like for maybe if you've first time here, you could take part. We've got a cafeteria. We'd like to welcome you to go there, be served. Amen. Most of all, we'd like to welcome you here in our congregation tonight in our auditorium. But then third and not last, if you feel your need of God, we'd like to welcome you to these altars of prayer. And that is our purpose this week, is to point Jesus to people to Jesus. I said our church goes back further than the 120 years. It goes all the way back to Pentecost. That's where we get our foundation. That's where we feel like God has brought us from. And we feel like that the Spirit of God moved from heart to heart, moved from generation to generation, moved from continent to continent. And here we stand here tonight. And, of course, you that read the Scriptures so well and so much know that on the day of Pentecost, the thing that happened, the Spirit of God that came in that people have been looking for for generations and generations and waiting for. And I'm just going to read a little bit from that. It says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongue like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's what we preach tonight. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost, and God can carry you free through this life, free from sin, and you can be a fit subject for heaven. Also in in the book of Acts, a young man, Paul, most of you know the story of Paul. He too thought that he was serving God, and he went off and he persecuted the church of God. When the Christians began to preach, he began to persecute, and the more they preached, the more he persecuted. And, of course, then we find them there on the road to Damascus. Maybe you find yourself on that road tonight that you are turning against God. You haven't turned your life over to God. But the God appeared unto him and said, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. That's what he's done for each one that's sanctified. To turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sin. And that's what we tell a man or a woman he has to do, is get this carnality out of his life. And that he may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And that's what we tell you, and that's what we'd like to introduce everyone, is to the sanctifying power of God. I've had a subject on my mind for several months, and I hope I can convey it to you just a little bit tonight. I have read so much about it. And that is search and rescue. Such an important part 
When you begin to go out and search for people that are lost, we've had in our, I live in Norfolk, Virginia, which is a big seacoast town, and we have the ocean there not far from where I live. And so far this year, we've lost five souls into the water that didn't take heed to what God or what the lifeguards had told them. They put up signs all up and down our beach, and they got lifeguard stationed pretty much every couple of hundred feet. And whenever the surf is rough, and whenever the undertow is what's so terrible about it, whenever the undertow is there, they warn you, don't go into the water. And people venture out in the lifeguard, says, some of them say five and ten a day that they go out, and some of them don't make it. Just a week before last, a group of youngsters were playing in the edge of the water, and all of a sudden, one of them disappeared. And they run up the group, run to the father and the mother, and they say, our brother has disappeared. We don't know what happened to him. Of course, there began to be a great stir along the beach, and they called the lifeguards. Everybody, they began to look for him to no avail. And tonight, pray that you're not lost in the surf, and that you're not lost in the undertow of the world, that you'll give your life over to God before it's too late. They found this young man laying in the water the next day. So you have to be mighty careful what we do. Whenever we get warnings, in this life from things of temporal things and God and the life God warns and warns and warns and people take no heed. They think that they can, uh, even the best of swimmers cannot conquer the ocean. Amen. I don't care how good a swimmer you are, how much you know, how good you are. God, you cannot conquer this great ocean of ours that God has given us charge of. But then I thought, and what really put me to thinking about this was several months ago, there in our neighborhood, we have the largest naval base and the largest continent of sailors in the world there. Not just in the United States, but in the world we have them there. And we have the uh, ships that are without number there. You can ride out onto the naval base and as you turn make to the main gate, you turn left and you'll go down to the piers and you begin to pass the ships. Okay. Some of them about 50, 60 feet long, some of them smaller than that. And then you pass on down, you get to the, those that are about two, 300 feet. And then you get on down to some of them about 600 feet. And we used to have the big battleships there. They are no more. They're in mothballs now. They are 900 feet long. But then you come down to the end of the pier and you see the great greatest of all the ships that's ever been built by mankind. It's called an aircraft carrier. And you park several blocks away and as you begin to walk over towards the aircraft carrier, the further you walk, the further your head gets back to trying to see the upper deck of it and it continues to go. Several hundred feet above the dock it rises and then above that the, the superstructure above that another two or three hundred feet. It's one of the greatest pieces of work that mankind has ever done. On that ship, there's about 5,000 men. Whenever it leaves the port, that's what it complements. Has all kind of people aboard it, all kind of sailors and marines and everything that, a man, that we would need to go into battle is what it does. About four months ago, one of our carriers went out early one morning, and with it a whole con 
continent of, of ships, of support group. When it gets out to sea, they hover all around it. And if you get within 100 miles of it and don't, don't identify yourself, they'll send it up and they'll identify you real quick. But they have been out about four days. And the most dreaded thing that can ever happen on a ship of any size, or a boat, man overboard. Oh my, that is a terrible thing. They were on getting ready to go be deployed with foreign nations. They were going to show their power. They were going to show all that they had, the Navy was. But this changed the whole complexity of the whole trip. Whenever they hollered man overboard, up on the conning tower, up in the wheelhouse, the OD of the day, he announces very loudly that all can hear loud and clear, this is not a drill. This is not a drill. Man overboard. Man overboard. Man your post. And then the whole complexity of that whole operation changed. Every ship that was in there. Everybody that was on that ship. Those that had binoculars. Those that had their eye. All began to peer the water and look for this man that was lost overboard. Now you have to imagine one man out of 7,500 and they take and they are so interested in saving him, they don't want to lose this man. And tonight, we don't want to lose anybody. We don't want to lose anybody tonight. Man overboard, man overboard, whoever you are. Out in the sea of sin, God can bless and can keep you and can watch over you if you'll just turn your heart and your life over to him. Reading from the scripture, over in the book of St. John, Jesus begins to tell us some things. I am the good shepherd. And the, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a howling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeketh the wolf cometh, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scatters them. So tonight we want to tell you the truth. We want to be the good shepherd that can watch over the flock. If you'll just listen to the words of the preachers through the week of Christ's sanctified holy church, they'll lead you in the right paths of righteousness. But the howling, now listen, but the howling freeth because he is a howling and careth not for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, Christ says. And I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so now I know the Father and I lay down my life for my sheep. And tonight Christ has laid down his life for the sheep. He has brought us life and light to life through the gospel tonight. But I'd like to read just one more little thing about a shepherd that went out. This shepherd went out one night and he had a, a sheep that were grazing. He'd been out with them all day long. They'd grazed in the pasture all day long and he brought them to the fold that night and he began to count them and the scripture says, I believe he counted everyone and he had them named. A hundred sheep. Can you imagine that? God did this and the she- great, he, because he was the great shepherd of the sheep. But he went out, and when he came in, and he began to count them, and he said he had a hundred sheep, but when he counted, there were only ninety and nine. He named them, he brought them into the fold, and then the shepherd began to go out and begin to look for that lost sheep. That doesn't tell us in the scripture whether the weather was bad or whether the 
there was a storm, whether it was rain, whether it was snow, but it tells us that he went out in the dark of the night looking for this lost sheep. Tonight, God is looking for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he would like for you to come in if you don't know the Lord. We didn't know what condition he'd found this sheep in. He didn't know if he'd been caught by the wolves, may have been a pack of wolves. He don't know if he'd fallen in a hole and broke a leg. He don't know if he'd been caught in the brambles of life. He don't know what this sheep, but he goes out and he searches for this sheep. And when he finds him, I don't know the condition of the sheep totally, but I know when he finds him, if he had wounds, if he was carried anything about him, he would take and cut off the skirt of his garment and bind up the wounds of that sheep. He would take care of him very gently, way out in the dark and in the cold. And then he put him on his shoulders and he brought him home. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, you that likewise joy will be in heaven. Listen. Likewise joy will be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Than over ninety and nine just persons that need no repentance. And tonight we would like to invite you to come and be that one that was lost sheep that came into the fold. And this week search and rescue. That's what that shepherd was. That's what God did. Christ did much searching and rescuing as he went through his daily walk. One time he went out into the tombs and he found a man that was close unclothed and he was bound about with chains and fetters and he'd break them to him and they couldn't chain him and they couldn't keep him but Christ went out of the city out into the tombs out far away from the city and from the city lights and he began to find this man and they said they was with no clothes on can you picture this? Man, we was, had the many devils, the scripture says. And he went out and he was in the tombs and he walked and he cut himself and made himself. But when he saw Christ coming, he began to change his life just a little bit. He said, thy son of David, have mercy on me. And Christ cast those devils that was in him and cast them out. And they went into the swine and ran over the hill. The swine did. They couldn't take the devils themselves, but they run off the cliffs into the to the water and drowned themselves. And then when they people came out the next day, what did they do? They found this man clothed. And in his right mind, a man that had so many devils that he couldn't contain them, that God himself had to come out and had to to call him. But all the things that he did were not the people that were so violent. One time he met a woman at the well and he came by her way. I believe he knew she was sitting on that. Y'all have to excuse me. Y'all know I got a coat. It's kind of warm. Y'all knew that he was sitting on that well. This, he knew this woman was sitting there. And she was looking, I believe, from some, something to, to fill her. And whenever Christ came by, she said, he asked for a drink. And she said, how can you give me a drink when the, water, the well is deep? He said, I have the, a drink that you know not of. Wells of living water springing up into everlasting life. And he began to tell her all that she had done. He began to tell her about the husbands that she had had. And she believed and said she thought he was a prophet. And when she went into the city and brought the city out to tell them that Christ was sitting there. And the whole the city came out 
and I believe a lot in the city was saved that night. Also, we found at one time that there was a man sitting by the pool of Bethesda, and Christ came by with him, and he was laying there. The first one that stepped into the pool was going to be healed, but the Christ, he said he had nobody to put him to the into the pool, and he told Christ told him said to take up your bed and walk. Said you don't have to have it. I can tell you that I am the Christ. I am the one that can deliver you from the power of Satan if you'll just listen unto me. And another thing over whenever the, they brought the man to the where he was preaching in the house and the press was so great that Christ couldn't get into the house, that the, the man couldn't get into the house, his friends couldn't. They took the tiles off the roof and they had such great faith and they led him down into the room with where Christ was and Christ said, seeing their faith. Tonight we have faith that Christ can come into your heart, into your life and can bless you if you'll just turn it over to him. And he said to the man, whether it be easy if thy sins be forgiven thee or take up thy bed and walk. And he took up his bed and walked. So tonight God has all power. Christ can all the things that God needs, Christ can give us tonight if you'll turn your heart and your life over to him. I didn't quite finish the little thing about the sailor that fell overboard. After he fell overboard, in a, just in a twinkling of an eye, just in a few moments, that ship was ready to rescue that man. They had a helicopter on the deck, and it had pilot, a co-pilot, it had doctors, it had everything, nurses, it had swimmers, it had everything that you need to do a rescue at sea. When you look in any direction and can't see land, you don't see nothing but water. And then you try to find something about the size of a man's head floating in the water. It's almost impossible to see it. Whenever the sea is rising and falling, you may see it and then lose it. And this helicopter takes off and goes to the back of the ships. And in the great computer room there, all the data to save that man was programmed into there. The height of the sea, the depth of the water, the... The temperature of the water, the wind, how fast the boat was going, everything was closed into that. They wanted to rescue that man more than anything. This captain of this ship didn't want it to go down into his logbook that he had lost a sailor at sea. And Christ don't want it to go down to we tonight. Don't we? We lost somebody at sea. We don't want to do that. And they begin to search and they begin to go from port to starboard with this helicopter. And all of a sudden, every eye, Seventy-five hundred people, every eyes watching what's going on, and it, all of a sudden this helicopter hovers and it hells moves down toward the water, out goes a life raft, out goes a lifeline, out goes two swimmers. I can tell you, it with precision, these men are trained in doing these rescues and we are trained tonight. If you want to be rescued from sin, come and talk with somebody that's sanctified. Come and talk with, come to the altar and we'll tell you how it is to get into the kingdom of God. I tell you, this is a blessed way that we have found and when that life line went down and those swimmers went into the water just in a few minutes the lifeline started to go up and in the harness was a man God that blessed this man not only had all the I think there was prayers going up everywhere all over this continued of ship and the life raft the lifeline came up and this 
young man that was there in the water. He was lifted up and carried into the helicopter. And they brought him brought him blankets and they did everything for it to save this man's life. And it went, the word went back to the captain of the ship that he had been saved. And it would go down in his record book that he had saved this man's life. And when promotions came up for the next round in this Navy that they have, he was listed high above all of them because it has, and if he had lost that man, he would have been probably read out of the service. This is just how important it is tonight for us. We don't want to lose anybody. We want everybody to fall in the love with God. We want you this week, search and rescue our young people. They went out this afternoon and they were down at the pavilion and they were praying and singing and telling the world about what God can do for us. I believe they went out and put out some brochures and a few things in the neighborhood. Whatever it takes to tell people about Christ is what we want to do. Over the last few months there in our church in Chesapeake, it's been a buzz about this camp meeting. Little Josh, every time we have a service, he's got to say about camp meeting. When they start the first meeting, there's a heavenly breeze. It's not here tonight, but anyway. <laughs> that will weaken the young folks. Now, <clears throat> I've lost my trainer. There's a heavenly breeze.
It's hard to improve upon that song. Brother Paul Merritt, one of our senior deacons, wrote that song many years ago, and we've sung and shouted and praised God with it, especially, as I said, just before camp meeting and at camp meeting. Thinking about rescue, when Jesus stood before Pilate, you would have thought, with all the heavenly angels, he said he could have called, what, 10, 12 legions of angels. All he had to do was speak the word, and they would have came and rescued him. But it wasn't so. This young man, Christ, was about 33 years of age, according to what we read in history and what we read about his life. And I'm sure he had prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane just that night before. It said, sweat as great drops of blood came down and covered his brow. But then it says an angel came and ministered unto him. And I think this is what brought him the great relief that he was about to be offered upon the cross. And I'm sure it made him sad whenever his people and his priests and those that were in the hierarchy of the church, they were the ones that stood outside of Pilate's hall and they began to cry, crucify, crucify, away with it. Pilate offered a convict in his place and they said, not so, we want this man Jesus to be crucified. They took him out on the hillside and they crucified him. And they thought, I think, and this, our song says, they thought they killed a king. Yes. And to the world, it looked like they had killed him. Life went away from him. He gave up the ghost. The soldier came by and pierced his side and great the blood flowed out of the side. And you would have thought this was the end if you would have not known anything about the scripture. But John had said in the beginning, whenever he saw Christ walk up to him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And tonight, that Lamb of God that was offered for a sacrifice... On that morning when those young ladies went there and said, who's going to roll the stone away? You're talking about being rescued. All those that were under the altar had cried for so long saying, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And then all of a sudden, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this great stone was rolled away and this body was taken out of the grave and the grave clothes were left there like the priests did when they offered the offering in the synagogue. And I tell you, that day, rescue became possible for all of us. And that's why you, I read over there in the first chapter of the, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, on the full, when Pentecost was fully come, the whole, the blood, I'm losing my thought now. Day of Pentecost, fully come. Was fully come, they were all in one accord, in one accord, and suddenly, 
a sound from heaven. <clears throat> and, they, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house and they that were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And I pray tonight that someone that doesn't know their way in life will come to these altars. We can search and we can rescue. There is a time in life whenever they go out, they took, take the search out of the name and they only go for rescue. And usually when they go for rescue, it's too late. Like the young man that drowned there in the surf there in our town, they begin to rescue. The search was over because he'd been gone too long. Tonight, don't let it be said that you've wasted your life. Amen. And we want to say we can search and God can rescue you from the pitfalls of sin tonight. When you pray, remember me in your prayer.